on this episode of Right On Radio, Gloria Vanderbilt, the High Priestess of Satan, and her son, Anderson Cooper's training. But not only that, there is a memory that, yes, Jesse Zabotar is with us today, and she shares a memory that has never come up before on air. You'll want to be sure to catch that, and also, in about the middle of the program, we make a joint announcement that I think you're going to want to hear. So thank you for joining Right On Radio. And here we go. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Welcome back to Right On Radio. My name is Jeff. I'm your host. And I want to thank you for being a faithful listener to this broadcast. And I want to thank you for liking and sharing these episodes because it's very important you get this information out. It is part of the Great Awakening. Your world will get much better once more people become awake to this stuff. Well, we've got a very special program today. We're going to talk about Gloria Vanderbilt. If that isn't a household name, it is for both probably your parents and a few other people. But first, I want to make a couple show announcements. As this show matures and becomes more popular, I'm going to be responding more to what listeners want. And one of the things that has been dramatically said to me is how popular Jesse is on this show. And not only do I know how popular she is, but also how brave she is for doing this because she is really exposing a lot of stuff and bearing her soul in doing this. So I applaud Jesse for doing this. And in fact, she has been so gracious because we talked off air and I'm planning on getting a lot of, you know, different guests that are experts in areas and some of them are high profile. And I've asked Jesse to become a co-host on the show, particularly with some of these interviews. And she's really uh, graciously accepted that. So You'll be able to see her not only, you know, we're going to continue to interview Jesse because Jesse has so much to offer, but you'll get to hear her interview with her in-depth knowledge some of the people that we bring on. And we're going to be tackling some really incredible subjects. So having said all that, today I was reading, as I always do, and as you should do, the Kathy Kathy. Fox blog, that's at Kathy with a C, Kathy Kathy Fox on Twitter, and she has the most amazing website called Illuminate the Darkness, which you should also go and visit. This website is so popular, and it is really comprehensive. Anything you want to find out about child trafficking, the Illuminati, and all these different things, she has detailed and has evidence uh, stacked up that you can go and spend hours on. It's uh, it's so well done. I give it my highest recommendation. So, and having said that, Jesse is here again today to discuss the Vanderbilts because I saw on the Kathy Kathy Fox blog today, she did something on Gloria Vanderbilt. And this is someone who I have been familiar with for a long time. Of course, she's a famous socialite and heiress uh, she's the mother of Anderson Cooper, famous of CNN, which is very interesting how he is going against some of the, well, they call it the right-wing narrative now. I wonder if he has something to hide. I'm not sure, but I'm going to focus this on Gloria, his mother, because if you search her out on the interwebs, of course, you're going to see a lot of pictures and a lot of imagery Particularly, there's a picture in a bedroom with this kind of satanic thing behind her, and she wears this jewelry that has some significance. But here's the greatest thing. Jesse has actually been there. So without further ado, Jesse Zobatar, thank you so much for joining Right On Radio again today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. <laughs> well, it's, it's such a pleasure to have you on, and... You've and by the way, if you have not seen this house that she lived in, it's you know pretty much an American castle. Uh, yeah. where, where was this house? Which state was it in again? Uh, she well, she had several homes, so my stories kind of um detail several of the different homes. 
Um, I think the most popular one that you're talking about is the Vanderbilt estate. Um, you know, I was never, as a kid, I never exactly knew where we were at unless I'd been there several times. So, you know, when we were in Germany at Nurschwanstein, I definitely knew we were there, <laughs> you know, at Nurschwanstein. Yeah. So I, I didn't learn places like that. Um, I just knew Gloria had many homes and, um, you know, I tend to just tell my memories as they come and, and not give, you know, exact or precise locations unless um, I feel led on that or if I can. Some of the stuff is under investigation, um, so I can't reveal all of that. Understood. But, so, but you went to her house and what was the purpose of you being transported to her house? And about how old were you, Jesse? Yeah, the the first time I was there, I was, I was, it was right before I had turned five. Um, and what they'll do is they, um, whoever's your six or proctor, the person who's going to be training you, um, she wanted me to be tested and um, for me to meet um, those who were the grand high priestesses, since they would be doing some of my training. And they were trying to decide, you know, which of the grand high priestesses that uh, should, or I should say, should be in charge of the majority of um, my black magic training. So um, that was the first time, you know, I met Gloria was um, just kind of, well, it was pretty horrific, but. Um, but so just before you go there, yeah. So was Gloria Vanderbilt a grand high priestess? And if she was, yes. what is that? Yeah, so she was a grand high priestess. Um, there, there are several for each quadrant. Um, there's four primary ones in the United States. And there, as well as there are four grand high priestesses internationally. Um, each of them are in charge of overseeing one of the quadrants. So if you think of the United States being, you know, split into north, south, east, west, um, each of the grand high priestesses is going to oversee all of the high priests and priestesses that are in the quadrant that they're assigned. Um, sometimes there is overlap. So you know, they don't have to live in the quadrant they're overseeing. Um, and sometimes they kind of share the quadrants they're overseeing. So both Gloria and Lori, um, you know, kind of shared the, we'll say the South and the East quadrant. Hey, who, who's Lori? Uh, Lori Cabot Kent was one of the other grand high priestesses. Um, so she became one of my main trainers and um she um or i've already said she yeah she was one of the grand high priestesses as well is she a household name i, I don't recognize that name um not unless you were in the witchcraft world um Lori's known for the chateau de amores in belgium so the castle that most people think of when they think of the Mother of Darkness castle, um, Lori's associated with that. Um, oftentimes the Grand High Priestesses were the face front for the true Mothers of Darkness. So a lot of times people who were under them or people who worked with them would refer to them as mothers. So even sometimes you'll see articles about Gloria um, calling her a mother of darkness. So in, in positions though, that would mean a grand high priestess is actually subject under a mother of darkness. Correct, so the very top is going to be the mothers of darkness. And then under them, you have the satanic council. Um, so that has, you know, many people, there could be over you know, a hundred people sitting on the council for each quadrant. And then, um, so like they would be like the company board of directors. And then 
the grand high priest or priestesses are going to be kind of like the CEOs of the companies that the board of directors set up in their region. These people are organized. You must give them that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they are. Yes, so, they okay. Are. <laughs> so, so you're about five years old and you go to Gloria's house. Um, yeah. So it, the first thing that she does um, is she had to read my tarot. And that was partly, um, they did that to see, you know, what the spirits would reveal or what, um, you know, the divine oracle would reveal about me and if they were supposed to work with me or not. Um, so that was my very, very first interaction with her was having her read my tarot. And, and how did that go? Um, interestingly enough, um, I had it read seven times by seven different people and they all pulled the exact same cards. Um, I just kind of pulled this in because it's an interesting factor. Um, there was a medium who had caught my shows on David Zublick. And so she just recently, about uh, two months ago, also read my tarot and um, about the shows that I did, especially the ones on Gloria Vanderbilt. And, you know, she had no way of knowing, you know, that we're talking like a 30s, six year span since my tarot was last read and uh, she pulled all the exact same cards and the cards basically told them um, that I would be the one to pull down the system and bring an end to it. <laughs> so never play poker with Jesus. Right. Never play <laughs> poker with Jesse. No, yeah. <laughs> right. But I think there was some divine intervention there, I, I would think. Y yes. Yes, there was. It, the, the good thing that the Lord did in all that is that none of them would allow me to ever touch the tarot cards. Um, they would not, you know, I could stand there and watch, but they would not allow me to touch or interact with the tarot cards. So that was pretty interesting. His hand has really been on you throughout this whole journey. And every, it yeah. seems that every example you give Jesse just leads back to divine protection from the Lord, Almost letting definitely. This, this beautiful young lady go into these, well, just inhumane situations and inhumane i should probably say demonic with which is really a synonym of the word yeah. so okay so you've got the tarot cards read and it came out that you're gonna take down the system <laughs> well, <laughs> which, it, it was which like, you're actively it was like, doing now so that's a fulfillment <laughs> right right it was like drawing you know who gets the shortest straw type thing you know all these grand high priestesses had to draw straws and they're all like you know, after they knew the tarot, none of them wanted to end up with me, you know, so uh, Lori was the lucky one, um, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, so, so what happens after that? They've read the cards, you're, you're in her house, do you stay for a couple days, are you whisked in and no, out? They, yeah, they were pretty, they were short visits um, the first few times. So the next time that I remember, um, we were there and it was the first time that my proctor was basically training me in how to um, drown a baby. And basically it was actually this conversation came up today with, with Kathy a little bit. I don't know what she's going to do with it, but um, we were talking about their end of life rituals and how they breathe in the last breath. Um, and they believe that that gives them the person's essence and whatever powers or abilities that person had. Um, so this was probably the first time that I saw that happen. And, 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 and so this is your proctor. Yep, so we, we went to Lori's house and there was, there was several social, I would say there's probably 10 or 20 socialite women who were all there. And so it looked like a gathering 
um, you know, they were all kind of dressed in their, um, I remember it probably being, you know, in fall. So they were in these cute little dresses all dressed up and everything. And then I remembered um, that there was a, the doorbell rang. And so Gloria had gone to the door and there was a, a younger woman, probably in her 30s, who had a baby that was about seven months old and um, it was a little baby girl and she handed the baby to Gloria and I thought you know they they were just gonna babysit the baby um, but this child ended up being the one um, when she started fussing Gloria handed her to my proctor and then we went into one of Gloria's bathrooms and my proctor, she would say things like, um, you know, baths, baths are made to quiet babies. They help them calm down. And so she, you know, was doing a lot of rocking of the baby and a lot of shushing the baby, patting her back, trying to make her quiet and everything. And when the bathtub was done filling up, she said, now this is how we take care of babies. And she started drowning the baby. And I actually, you know, I mean, I had already dealt with, um, at that point, one of my siblings had accidentally almost drowned, um, you know, before that so I knew enough that babies could not breathe underwater and so I started you know fighting with her on that and you know she knocked me down out of the way and said you know like she basically was instructing me you know this is how you hold your hands on the baby's chest and you pin him against the bottom of the tub and um you know, basically she did that and, you know, kept hitting me down as I fought with her um, until the baby drowned. Um, you know, I, I was just desperate to try to help. I didn't even think of asking for help, but I learned, you know, shortly later that all of these socialite women, none of them were safe individuals. Um, the, all, the majority of the ones connected with Gloria Vanderbilt were all into very high level black magic, which is about as dirty and evil as it comes, um, you know, just sheer wickedness. So, um, so, and I, I want to touch on that, but just for the audience, if, if you didn't hear previous episodes or if you haven't heard Jesse speak before, when she was first introduced to this, she saw a beheading. And so they are really desensitizing her. But even though she's fighting now, Jesse, when, when you're fighting and going at her when she's drowning this baby, which is obviously horrific for anyone to see, but you've been desensitized a little bit. But you're, I think I, I'm just hearing some anger in you. It was more of an anger thing, it sounded like. And what was, were you just pushed away or were you knocked hard? No, I, I was knocked hard. Yeah, I was, I, it, it was a pushing with a throwing, um, you know, where I ended up hitting the door a couple times or the wall. Wow. And, and I, I'm trying to get my thoughts away from this poor baby because. Yeah, uh, there's, I mean, there's more. So we'll give a, a trigger warning here for people because, you know, <coughs> if you listen to the other shows, I, I, I don't combine the incidences, but um, this incident ended up leading then um, Gloria had a very bad habit of, um, I don't even want to call it procuring, um, but she would almost do a type of form of taxidermy with some of the children or infants that were killed. Um, there were some specific black magic spell things that she did um, that involved the remains of her victims. 
Um, so this was the first one that, um, you know, the, the horror didn't end after I saw this child drowned. Um, then I was led to her special room under uh, the stables and um, that's where I watched them embalm and taxidermy this baby and do stuff with it um, to preserve it. Would, would she just keep these as trophies or were they used for more nefarious purposes? No, they, they were used for more nefarious purposes. Um, you know, she didn't even keep them all intact. So, you know, sometimes it was just pieces and she would create, like she did a lot with dollhouses and would do a lot of black magic with dollhouses. Or if you look up, um, she had window boxes and it was a form of um, fortune telling or sorcery for her. So she would uh, predict people's deaths or things that were going to happen to them. And she would create these scenes from what she saw was going to happen. And then usually, you know, she would um, display that to that individual before the evil thing happened to them. Um, some of the stuff she kept hidden in secret, she had some secret passages in her home or um, had some, you know, secret rooms. So some of her stuff she did keep as trophies in there and um, she believed that in creating these boxes and in preserving, it preserved the soul of the person forever trapped under her command in the spirit world. Well, you know, if if only the redeemed or the good people on this earth would put as much effort in, like this, this these people are driven, Jesse. Like just it, yeah. and and so you're saying it, and you know, I don't want to make the analogy because it, it's probably a bad one, and obviously I don't have the background in this that you do, but it it almost sounds like almost a voodoo thing. You know, they stick a pin in the back and and something happens, but she's putting together little scenes and you said she would show it to people first sometimes? Yep, yep, she would show them stuff um, before they would do things. Um, you know, so <laughs> I haven't actually shared this part before. So one of the high priestesses who was under her was Madonna. Um, Madonna, so the, the famous singer. Yep. And so there came a point um, in the 80s when Madonna tried to run and get out. Um, and her song, you know, Like a Prayer, um, is one of those songs that came out of that, of her trying to run at that time. Um, Gloria had done up a box, you know, that showed Madonna self mutilating and attempting to commit suicide. Um, so, you know, Madonna had received that before that happened. And I don't know if when people after they get like, you know, all I know is that the boxes would show up at these people's homes. Um, and they would know who it came from. Yeah, sometimes Gloria delivered them. Sometimes she had other people deliver them. Um, usually they came as this gift and you would open this gift box and it would be this horrific doll scene of, of you, you know, and she would collect, you know, people's hair. So like if you were at her house, she would always try to cut off a piece of your pieces of your hair. And so when she made some of these little dollhouse dolls, they were made with your actual hair. So in that aspect, it was kind of similar to a voodoo doll, you know, that it had that person's genetic, um, you know, it's kind of genetically linked to that person or like, you know, with, the, with this baby that I first saw killed, you know, she, she'd use some of that skin to make a little doll of me and then, you know, use my real hair on that doll. So it was a combination of, you know, one of the first murders that I saw as well, you know, as um, 
it it contained part of my DNA. So now, would she do that to hold something over you to put more fear into you? I, I think a strong part of it was fear. Um, everybody who was underneath her uh, greatly feared her and the type of witchcraft that she, and divination that she did. Um, you know, I think also it served as like a some of the spirits um, are tracing or tracking spirits. So if they pick up on your DNA, it makes it easier for them to trace or track you. So sometimes it was a way to connect spirits to people to oppress or, you know, to cause fear, nightmares, um, chaos in people's lives, disasters, you know, so if you weren't doing what she wanted you to do, it was almost a form of spiritual blackmail. Um, you know, she could do things in the spirit world then that, you know, it would be so horrific that, you know, you didn't want to wait to find out what she was going to do or, you know, cause these spirits to do to you. Um, you know, some of these individuals would literally black out so they didn't know they were committing horrific acts. Um, one of the other incidents I had talked about was with a woman that um, Gloria was just playing with the dollhouse with this woman's doll and then showed like a kitchen scene and she showed the doll you know picking up a pair of scissors and then you know stabbing herself in the leg with it um, and so it was a few days later that that really happened that high priestess um, really did that to herself and you know she completely blanked out it was like she had no control over her body sounds like a mk ultra type of thing which which is another rabbit hole i'm not going to go down that today so my mk yeah. ultra for the audience just uh, just because i don't want to leave it up it's a it's a mind control technique and we're definitely going to be addressing that in a future episode but jesse I, with gloria vanderbilt how did she get so powerful in this cabal and what sect did she come from? Do you know this information? Um, not all of it straight off hand. Her family was very high, high up, um, strong elite family. Uh, one of the generational families. So a um, bloodline. Yep. So bloodline for generations upon generations. Um, you know, her parents, I'm pretty sure she got a lot of her wickedness from things that she was trained from the people who oversaw her training as a grand high priestess. Um, yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, she, she probably was trained from the time she was before five as well. Just, just like you were. I, I do believe. Yeah. I do believe that she was, that her training began at a very young age and she was groomed for that position. So most of these people really don't know the difference because they're brought up in it, or at least, they, at least the people who seem to be in the, in the very upper echelons of the satanic uh, cabal. Mm -hmm. they, they don't know any difference. So, you know, it, it, as an audience member or someone who's just learning about this myself, you know, I think, well, first of all, these people are horrific murderers, torturers, uh, you know, there's all kinds of labels we could put on them, but in some ways, well, I guess you, you, you're a victim for a certain amount of time, but eventually you make up your own mind, and it sounds like Madonna tried to escape and then probably got scared and decided to come back as well yep. so you know adults have to be held responsible for their own decisions yeah because madonna's definitely back in it <laughs> you, you watch she anything is. she does yeah. look at look at her live concert they're disgusting she is very much still in it um yeah and and they really do you know i call them the hierarchy kids because you're born in um you know, from the time that you're little, you are trained that, you know, they have a certain program and everybody goes through it and you're taught this is normal. Um, you're taught this is what you do to, to be a good parent. Um, 
you know, so a lot of them, it'll, there can be things that, you know, they wouldn't even second guess, you know, they're just taught, well, this is what you do. Um, like one of those things, you know, like in my own family, they would use, um, what are they called, enemas. And, you know, at a part of the grooming in that is that they were using enemas to prepare babies or infants for anal sex. Um, but, you know, the individuals, when you're first a parent, you know, you don't know that that's where all that is going or where it's coming from. You're just taught that when you start potty training your child, you automatically do regular enemas. That's what a good parent does, you know? So this is what they're taught. And, you know, so for them, it's not even a, you know, there's nothing that seems wicked or bad about it. They're taught, you know, this is what you do for a healthy child. So they have a healthy, clean colon. Um, you know, and if you're not doing that, then you're not, a good parent. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, these are, these are the basic things, but I guess they, there's also the allure of, of the money and the power because they're mm -hmm. certainly, you know, the most well-funded people in the world that are in this, you know, they, they right. essentially own the world. And so with Gloria in particular, and I want to stay with her, but you know, you had mentioned on another show, and just because we brought up Madonna, there's another uh, high priestess that has a very famous name that, you know, perhaps it, it was supposed to be Hillary, but it, someone else took the spot. Are you comfortable with saying that? Yeah, yeah, we can we can talk about that. Um, I've I've named Beyonce on some other shows. Um, so, so yeah, she so she's Beyonce, spot. yeah, and Jay Z as well, isn't it? Because he's given yeah. all the hand signals and taking all the pictures that they show their their signs. You might yep, say, yep, yep. their symbolism. And and, and Jesse, why do they have to? Why do you think they show the symbolism so often? There is it a communication to other Satanists, or is it something else? Yeah, no. Usually, it is a form of communication. Um, there are certain protocols that you follow wherever you go, whether it's in public or if you were, you know, doing speaking someplace or, um, you know, you're out and about. You're going to display certain signs, and that lets people know what your position is and it tells them how to interact properly with you so if if you're you know a lower end person and you see somebody like jay-z flashing his signs telling people that he's a high priest you know that now you've got to interact with him you know give him the proper respect um you know, that he would get as somebody who's over you. Um, if Jay-Z is flashing that and there's a grand high priest who's there, um, that grand high priest is going to step up and assert, you know, his presence. And then you would see Jay-Z coming alongside of um, that person. And he may even, you know, call that person out and, and elevate them up you know, saying, oh, this is a dear friend of mine, or this is a mentor, this is somebody, you know, I've looked up to my entire life. So they would say things that would build that person up before everybody else um, and kind of applaud them so people know that there, there's a structure there and they need to react with certain protocol. And they and they certainly do do that, and they do it in the public sphere. So yeah. Jesse, I'm, I'm you know you're the guest here, but because you're going to be coming on as a uh, as a co-host, I'm going to start to interject a little bit of just my thoughts, and and you can shoot it down by the way because they're just thoughts. But when I started learning all of this symbolism stuff, and I started studying it because when I first heard these topics and what's going on in the world. 
look, I'm a researcher and uh, and I had to validate it myself. And and I also prayed in that. And I'm I'm not going to say I got this from God, but I think it's from God. And because what he did was he put in some scripture in my mind and he, he, he put the, uh, the story of Job in my mind. And in the story of Job, the devil goes up to the throne room and asks permission. And it seems evident from that story that the devil goes up to the throne room and asks permission for a lot of people and for a lot of things. And here's just the impression I got, Jesse is these people, like Satan goes up and says, look, look how many people went to Jay-Z's concert. He showed them this, or or Madonna, she did bestiality, or something like that, and the people applauded. They loved it. I want to do this to those people. And God kind of, you know, like the the devil's kind of like the ultimate lawyer, in my opinion, (laughs) And, and God permits these things because the devil makes a case. What do you think of that, my theory? Theory, people, theory. <laughs> I don't think it's a theory. I, I personally subscribe to that fact, um, not only biblically, but it, you know, it is scripturally sound. You, you've got several cases where we see in scripture that Satan approaches the throne room of God um, so in Job, you also have it in Zechariah, I believe it's chapter three. Um, and, and he does, you know, I mean, that was my experience. I saw him going before the throne of, of God every single day, asking the Lord for permission to do all these things that he wanted to do. Um, and he, you know, he is the accuser of the faith. He's the accuser of the brethren. Um you know, and, and God does allow to an extent, God allows some things, some things he does not. Um, yeah. He, God has a plan and he has a plan. Yeah, for he each does person. have a plan. And, and he, and he plans that each person uh, be saved. He knows that not everyone will be, but he desires right. that each person be saved. But so there's, a, and thank you for that confirmation. I, I've been sitting on this for a few months now and, yeah. And, and so with well, that said, oh, go ahead. With that said, there's a warning for everyone listening. When you're watching something truly evil and you know there's a lot of concerts, well not anymore, but there probably will be again. There's different events that portray evil acts and it could be the greatest show on earth they could have well, like the opening of the Olympics. Oh, I would love to hear your take on that, Jesse. <laughs> so the opening of the Olympics was filled with evil symbolism. And everybody around the world applauded. What a great show. The fireworks, the, the, the majesty of the show. And it was nothing but a satanic ritual. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a, as a viewer of these things... You know, and, and you're applauding, you're thrilled to see it, you seek out more of it. And when you seek out more of it, well, maybe the enemy goes up there with your name. So be cautious. Yeah. Be cautious of the what you let get into your head. And that's that's uh, Jeff's rant for the day. We'll get back to Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great thing to bring out, though. Um, you know, I had done a study a while back on the wrath of God, and there were four things that the Lord listed and specifically said, because of these things, my wrath shall come. And the fourth one was because people applaud, like they not only participate in the wickedness, but they applaud and encourage others to do it. And so you look at these Luciferian Illuminati that you know we're going after in this swamp, and that's the extent of it. It's not that they are you know, in their basement secretly, you know, doing horrific things, you know, only before God's eyes. But now they are, you know, they're recruiting, they're training up children to do this. You know, they're blackmailing adults to do it and to continue the practice, to keep the system going. And, 
there really is with everything in that, you know, these individuals have quotas. So a quota is every single day, Satan demands that you participate in evil and wickedness. And, and, and would know, this be for everyone or just the people who everybody. would hear his voice? No, this is everybody. So, you know, they, they keep track, this whole system, they keep track of every wicked and evil thing. So, you know, um, you start off, you know, really light. It could be that you steal something or you're mean to a coworker who's a Christian. Um, you know, that would be kind of base level stuff. And it, it works up to, you know, not everybody's going to go into the cannibalism or, you know, even the murder. Not everybody commits murder or ritual sacrifice. Um, but every time you sin, it, it builds off that. So the next time the enemy ex expects something worse um, and it has to be, you know, recorded or witnessed um to prove that it happened this is how they get a lot of blackmail on people you know so a lot of these elite people you know th the majority of them didn't start off being pedophiles um some of them you know didn't even grow up in in families you know where this was a common thing they may have found themselves you know associated in a company um with these high level luciferians they get invited to a party, they get drugged, pictures are taken that make it look like they're harming a child or a young adult who is a minor. Um, now the Illuminati has blackmail on them. And so, you know, then the enemy is going to come at them and, you know, it's like you've already participated in it. So, you know, but then he goes farther where it's not just that you participated, he gets people to believe that they enjoyed it. And then not only do they enjoy it, they want to invite their friends to partake in it too, because it's, it, it's really a good thing. It's satisfying. And so this is kind of where he goes with that, with that mindset. And from there it goes to the applauding. Um, and it, it's a matter of controlling people's will. You know, that it's not just, you know, are you choosing to or being forced to do something, but he melds the will so that you earnestly believe you, you want to do this and you enjoy it and you want to do it with other people. This is the great deception and, and he controls people, obviously, because if you try to get out of it, you're, he's going to you know, show your kitty porn tape or something like that and uh, and expose it to the world. You'll be ruined professionally and everything you've done, you know, and you possibly go to jail. And uh, But so then, you know, the deeper you get in, I guess you become more depraved and possibly mm -hmm. at some point they do start enjoying it. I'm, I'm sure some of them do. But, you know, this, this brings me to an interesting segue and I wanted to stick to the Vanderbilt thing and, and just when you when you were talking about the control and things like that and how sophisticated he is at manipulating people's will, Gloria Vanderbilt's son, Anderson Cooper, is, you know, the primetime poster boy of CNN. Do you think he's using some of these techniques in the news media? So the news media... If you haven't looked it up or if you haven't listened to uh, one of my episodes I did on the media, I talked about, you know, basically how all the entire 90% of the world's media, newspaper, radio, and television is controlled by six people. And really, the, it probably boils up to one or two people controlling those six people. But they operate, and with the CIA, uh, they've been operating something called the Mockingbird Program since really 1947, but it really kicked into high gear around 1954. And they're controlling all the talking points and everything else. But, and, C and Anderson Cooper had admitted that he was part of the CIA at one point in time. He says he walked away. I don't believe that. I believe he's still a paid asset of the CIA. Mm -hmm as many uh, people who are anchors and that. Listen, why would you get paid 25 or $30 million to read a teleprompter for an hour? Right. <laughs> you know, 
there, there's something more to it. But so do I you need think a job Jesse, like that. <laughs> he's, actually, he's actually employing these techniques that he learned from the Luciferian cabal to his audience. Absolutely. Because um, he know, grew up can, in this, right? Yeah, yeah. You can even just listen to any of his shows and ask yourself a couple questions. You know, um, they're masters at, at telling you what the narrative is. And usually they do that by, you know, asking questions or they're either leading questions. Yeah, it's always a statement. This is the facts and they want yeah, you to they basically to repeat fact. it. Right, they get to the fact and, you know, after they kind of disrupt, they kind of rule out through their questions that it couldn't be any of the other possibilities and then here's the fact and you know it doesn't even have to be true they just they define what the narrative is and if you try to go against that you know and usually there's some th something substantial you know that they, they work with you know the um the big hospitals the medical centers like mayo clinic john hopkins they work with people who are big time in the universities who do the studies and different research programs. So usually there's something there that they'll pull out as they present this narrative. And so they have say, the full evidence to support right, their claim. Be like, well, John Hopkins says this and now it's fact. And, you know, it doesn't even matter. The truth could be that, you know, John Hopkins is is using um you know research as a ploy to commit heinous crimes against humanity and children that that doesn't matter if it's research well now it's fact you know <laughs> yeah it, it, so this is how deep it goes it's in every aspect and you know there, there there's so much here and i want to continue this conversation jesse but you know, we've kind of got away from some of the horror stuff and it's important for you as an adult to hear this horrible stuff because you've got to get your back, if your back hairs don't raise up or, or arm hairs, maybe you don't have back hair, but you know <laughs> what I mean. But I want people to get angry enough to get involved. And yeah. how do you get involved? Well, you know what, you start spreading the truth around. You start sharing these podcasts. You start having conversations. Uh, this program will never, ever support you going out and trying to take this down by yourself or anything like that. And we actually have to be careful with law enforcement as well. Uh, Jesse knows who some of the good law enforcement people are, and she has been working with them. And by the way, Jesse, just a, as a really good way to, uh, to end this, man, have there have been a lot of kids rescued in the last few days. I am seeing yes. article after article. I applaud the the U.S. Marshals, the military people. Um, you know, there's been a couple specific operations named, so like Operation, um, you know, Freedom, Operation um, Legend. Um, you know, it seems like they are on a roll, and you know, every child that comes out, you know as a kid I, I can remember just crying out to the lord just for one it's like lord give me one person who will listen and believe and help get just one kid out of this and you know so to hear some of these stories you know about 24 kids being rescued um at times 39 i read just before we came yeah, on the air yeah, yeah and and so every amount you know, I mean, you think that's just in the one area, you know, the Georgia, Missouri, those areas they were hitting. Um, so that's huge. That's 20, you know, 24 kids who now are out of this horrible system and can now have healing and start to put their lives back together. That's a huge blessing. And um, we need to continue to pray for, you know, the military ICE, the U.S. Marshals, um, the soldiers, the National Guard, the Coast Guard, the Marines, um, you know, the men and women in our government administration, um, you know, like Pompeo, Grassley, Ivanka, all of these people are, are really 
you know, working so that they're rescuing kids, not only at a state or um, a state level, but they're really now getting into the local areas uh, where stuff has been occurring. So um, I agree, you know, Trump promotes every child deserves to grow up in a safe community. And, and he so, has signed more executive orders against human trafficking. Like this has been the priority of his administration. It's never reported, of course. Right. But this has been a priority. So, Jesse, I'm going to make a, a bit of a claim here. Uh, and for the audience, I, I don't have the physical evidence of this. So just uh, hear what I'm going to say, and you can make up your own mind. But I have been communicating with a ex-military guy who was very very high up who's big in this movement um he's actually one of the best decoders out there and he tells me that it's actually been tens of thousands of kids that have been saved Mm -hmm. but the public cannot be made aware of it because these kids were down in the tunnel systems and it's just too horrific to show the yeah. public. Yeah. Do you have anything to support that? I do. Um, I, I talked a little bit about that on the Zublik show. Um, my support came from uh, the protectors. We, I think we've mentioned them on your show, um, but these are the individuals who work for the elite um, to provide protection services for the Luciferians. Um, so I have several of those individuals that I'm connected with and get to see some of their communications back and forth. Um, so when, um, when we had military in the California tunnels, um, I saw things going across that literally the Luciferians were communicating and confirming there were people who were not Luciferians who were in those tunnels. Um, One of them reported there were three people they saw and one of the, there had to have been some sort of interaction because one of the people was injured. So one of the military uh, personnel was injured in that interaction. Um, I also saw that the Luciferians who were down there uh, needed a way to escape uh, from the military. So I watched as they were redirected to three other dumb bases, uh, one in the United States and two outside of the United States. Um, They even gave the, you know, announced the schematics of how many people each of those bases could hold. So I watched all of that and, you know, was working with people, you know, I'm kind of the funny person who's like, hey, do you want to know where all the rats are going? Here's where they all went. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, it was like, uh, yeah, let's have a little fun here. Like, (laughs) I can tell you right where they all are. Um, So, you know, I can confirm that, that, uh, you know, in my sor- my sources, it came straight from the Luciferians. Um, after after that event, you know, the question is, were kids rescued or not? Well, I watched as those protectors went, or basically got um, called and summoned into meetings, and they were venting. You know, they were mad because they were questioned where are the kids, and so all of them had to. Be- go under scrutiny and had to prove that they knew nothing about where those kids were. They knew nothing about the plan to take those kids. So if none of that happened, why did these protectors get called in? You know, these are the most Uh, honored and uh, trusted people among the elites. You don't call your protector and then question them for any, any circumstance. You know, it's like, you've got like one or two people in this entire sick world you can trust your protector is one of those people you know that's why they're your protector of course Um, yes you know so to call your protector in and question them it's you know i mean 
you very easily could have not just your protector, but every single protector against you if you question their loyalty. So this was a pretty big deal, um, enough where, you know, you have to realize that there was really that many children missing that they would go to the extent to question the protectors. So their, their, lo their loss of inventory yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, and, it, and, it and, for, and for the audience, if you want to dig in on your own a little bit further, and I don't know if this is the exact same situation that Jesse's talking about, but I would say if you looked up the Standard Hotel, there's some interesting things around the Standard Hotel. And by the way, there's some interesting politicians that have been in and out of there. But these, uh, and also with these deep underground, so a dumb means deep underground military base. They're actually scattered all throughout uh, the world, <laughs> really. And from what my source tells me, and by the way, Jesse, this is definitely a guy I want you on as a co-interviewer with. <laughs> and I'm, I'm working on getting him on the show. Uh, but he claims right now about 75% of these dumbs have been taken down. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you, one of the ways he, he's confirmed this, he hears it from military intelligence that he knows, but uh, he follows the earthquake patterns. Mm -hmm. and, and there's different kinds of ripples that go through the ground, uh, depending if it's a seismic earthquake or if it's a, or if it's a bomb underground. Right. Yep. <laughs> and... Uh, so a lot of these appear to be bombs and there's been a record amount of earthquakes happening throughout the United States of America and in Canada as well and around the world. Yep, and that is documented. There's some, there's a video of a couple of military guys have put up that show specifically how those earthquakes are happening right around those dumb bases. And a, a regular earthquake is gonna have aftershock that ripples out and these don't. So you can tell that it definitely is underground bomb. Um, you know, I've also had military individuals that I'm aware of who, you know, they've gone through three years of training um, for operating in the underground tunnel systems. Um, so this is a very coordinated, you know, event. They knew that those dumb bases, um, really had to be taken control of um there's just so much to talk about that revolves around what we what these luciferians were using those bases for um and the things that happened to children or people in those bases is absolutely you know horrific um yeah let's let's do a whole show yeah. or, or more than one on this yeah. and perhaps that's one when i can bring this this guy on because you guys will have a lot in common uh mm -hmm. to, to speak about uh, he, he's very knowledgeable in these these areas and so it's kind of a high note but i guess my final question to you today jesse and you know this show is going to take a bit of a political turn and and it will be covering some news in the in the future as well uh as doing exposés on different topics like this but for the point of this conversation we're talking about the human trafficking and the things that you're really passionate about jesse how important is the re-election of president donald j trump Oh, it, it's, it's vital. Um, you know, it will make or break things. If, if we don't have Donald J. Trump in there, um, you know, we're basically handing over the authority of our country to the Luciferians. It, it would so, be a done deal if, yeah, if yeah. Biden or whoever the Democrats are going to run uh, at this point in time, at, even after the conventions, I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah that Biden is going to be the candidate. I, I think he would easily be, you know, usurped or replaced or just be the the candy boy face front for whoever was really, you know, running the country behind him. Yeah. Well, and I think something happened to Kamala that got her this uh, bid for the VP. I think she is very controllable. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. 
Jesse Zaboder. Uh, by the way, the link for Jesse's book is on my Facebook page for this uh, Right On Radio. And please join my Facebook page. I'll also be posting other videos and things like that on there. Go on to Facebook at Real Right On Radio. You'll find it. I've put links to Jesse's book there. Please go get it. Please support her. It's a brilliant read. And also go to Kathy Kathy Fox. Uh, blog and illuminate the darkness. These are incredible sources of information for you, just as Jesse is for us collectively. Jesse, thank you once again for for really being a part now of Right on Radio. Yeah, I look forward to our shows together. We, we'll have a lot of great discussions, I think. Yeah, and and by the way, Jesse has some access to some pretty interesting guests that we're working on and i'm working some of my contacts as well so stay tuned folks this show is going to get hot uh, thanks again jesse and we'll see yeah. you next time here on right on radio who's right who's right he's right Right on radio. Right on radio.